1: Today we're going to discuss the impact and growth of new media. Joining us is Steve Olsher, who's the founder and editor-in-chief at Podcast Magazine. Steve is a 30-year entrepreneur, and prior to founding Podcast Magazine, he was the original founder of Liquor.com, which he exited to IAC. He's the creator of the New Media Summit and Pod Expo, and is also the host of the top-rated podcast Renovation Radio and Beyond Eight Figures. So far this week, Steve and I have talked about how you can leverage new media to generate leads, visibility, and revenue. Yesterday, we talked about how to become an icon in your niche, how to build your following. And today, we're going to talk about what to do with that following and how you could profit specifically from podcasting. All right, here's the last part of my conversation with Steve Olsher, founder and editor-in-chief at Podcast Magazine. Steve, welcome back to the Martech Podcast. Thank you, Ben. Excited to have you back and wrap up our conversation. We talked all about the value of new media, how you could start to build influence. Let's talk about where the rubber meets the road for guys like me. How the heck do you make some money off of podcasting? I heard this thing is actually pretty profitable.
2: Nah, not going to say it's pretty profitable. There's a lot of people out there who are going to invest a whole ton of time, energy, and resources, and they're never going to make a dime. Let's just get that off the table, right?
1: They pod fade, right? That's the term of the day, pod fading.
2: Yeah. And actually, if we break down the numbers, now that you're bringing that up, it is pretty interesting. I mean, as of today, there's about 1.7 million podcasts, which is up from just uh, shy of a million pre-pandemic. So a lot more shows. What does that mean? It also means there's a lot more pod fade, which means basically people start a show and then they stop it after roughly nine or 10 episodes. So just using easy math here, let's take it down to 1.6 million. There's really only about 400,000 shows, believe it or not, that are still active and producing content and have more than 10 episodes. So about half of the 1.6 million stopped, and about half of those have less than 10 episodes. So again, pretty crazy in the scheme of things, but there's still only about 400,000 shows that are active and then have more than 10 episodes. So that's one thing to take into consideration. What spells the difference? I would say number one, Consistency. I mean, again, just staying in the course and continually releasing new content, no doubt, but also just having clarity around why am I doing this? And how does this support a bigger overall vision in terms of what I want to do with the people, whether it's one person or a million people who tune in and download and listen to that episode on a weekly basis or whatever the timing for releases for you.
1: So one of the things that I think is working against podcasters is this little thing we like to call math. Right? Most of the industry thinks of podcast monetization by selling advertising at a $25 to $50 CPM, basically taking the display media model and trying to shoehorn it into what is replacing radio advertising, audio ads. And to me, that's crazy. The MarTech podcast generates, let's call it 100,000 downloads per month total. where a daily show. That means we'd be making five grand a month, 60 grand a year, if we sold 100% of our inventory at a $50 CPM. I live in the suburbs of San Francisco. I'm not paying the rent on 60 grand a year. And obviously, we have a different monetization path. We could talk about that later. But isn't it math that is driving people away from podcasting when they realize how big their shows have to be for them to monetize it in the medium that they think they're going to use to drive revenue?
2: Yes and no, right? I mean, there are a lot of people who make that mistake, and there are a lot of people who are focused solely on the quantity. But the bottom line being if you have a, a podcast and you serve, let's just say, people who are interested in buying Lear Jets, that's just your target market are people who love Lear Jets and buy Lear Jets. If you've got five people listening to a single episode, And one of those five people wants to find out more information about a particular Learjet that happens to be for sale. I don't know if they still make Learjets or whatever they make, because I don't own one, but you know what I'm talking about. The reality is, what is that lead worth to somebody who sells Learjets? I mean, if we're talking about a $30 million sale, they're not going to pay you, as you said, $50 on a CPM, what are you going to give me a nickel? No, forget that noise, right? That is obviously a very valuable lead to the right company. So, I've got a friend who started a show that specifically caters to audiophiles, people who love high end stereo equipment. Very small market, but these people love high end stereo equipment. These people will drop on average 10 grand for a pair of speakers. That shit ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. You and I won't probably drop 10 grand for a pair of speakers because we're not audiophiles, or maybe you are, but I'm not. So, what does that mean? It means that he's able to go to these companies, the I don't know, Clips or whoever those high-end companies are that sell those really expensive speakers.
1: I would have said Sony, but apparently I'm wrong.
2: I don't think Sony falls <laughs> under that category. Okay. But he's been able to get numbers that are astronomically off the charts because he's not tying himself to CPM. Because it's all about reaching a very specific market that is of incredible value. So one of the things that I would encourage people to think about is, you know, if I'm gonna start a general show, I'm probably gonna get general store five and dime type numbers. If I'm gonna start a show that is very niche specific, you can pretty much count on calling your own shots and charging what you want. But is it possible to make money through ads and sponsors? Absolutely. Is it going to be the most lucrative option? Definitely not. And we can share more in a minute.
1: We made... $317,000 in revenue from podcast advertising for this show last year, something that we talk about on the podcast frequently. Are we number one? Are we close? How are we doing?
2: I'm going to say you're a little shy of number one, but I'm going to say you're not last in line. So 317 is damn respectable.
1: Well, in fairness, that was split over two shows. But still, we're doing all right for a series of marketing podcasts. And that's our monetization path. But there's a whole nother world out there. There's other ways that people are monetizing their content. Tell us about what we should be doing.
2: Whatever you're doing certainly works. There are a lot of people who would kill for those sort of numbers to be seeing that sort of support. So kudos to you for getting to that point. Thank you. What I will say is that for the majority of other folks, the other majority of the rest of the mere mortals out there who are trying to figure out how do I turn listeners into revenue, there's a couple of key ways to do it. Number one, what I would encourage people to think about, and again, I know this is sort of oxymoronic when you look at the fact that we started Podcast Magazine, and yes, we have print and digital versions of that, but in and of itself, Podcast Magazine is a little bit moronic in some people's minds and oxymoronic in a lot of others.
1: I think it's hysterical.
2: It is hysterical in a lot of ways, and it's been doing really, really well. So one of the things that we would really ask you to think about is following what it is that we've been doing for years and what we'll continue to do with uh, other initiatives that we're putting forth, which is how do you take people offline? Because ultimately, the real money lies in getting in conversation with people outside of the show. So that could be something as simple as just having a conversation around if you've got a marketing podcast and you come on and you share a particular marketing strategy and you turn around and say, hey... If you want my team to implement this marketing strategy for you, go here set up a call and let's have a conversation, right? Real simple, real easy. But even better than that is putting those people when you can, and you can do it virtually, you know. but at the same token, when things come back, to actually bring those people offline and get those people into a room. Because there is no easier, faster, better way to move people into higher price products, programs, and services than to actually be able to develop real relationships with those people. And go belly to belly, chest to chest, hand to hand, palm to palm, whatever you want to call it, and develop that real report, develop that expertise and develop that community that people then ultimately really want to stay and be an active part of. So I see that as a huge miss for a lot of podcasters who have the tribe and have the community, Is they're not willing to take those conversations offline. And that's where the real money is.
1: Okay, so... You've built influence, you have a following, you have an audience, you're going to create some sort of an offline experience. To me, that dovetails into an event, a conference, some sort of an in-person meeting. That's one way to monetize your following. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost effective. Request a demo at Mutinex.co. That's M U T I N E X.co. Talk to me about some of the ways that digital media is actually driving monetization. There's courses and eBooks and master classes. How about driving revenue through digital services?
2: We talked about this. And I think the first episode that we did together here, where we're big fans of creating what we call the new media trifecta, where the brand, the podcast, and the online course are all of the same name. So if you have a show where it's something like the profitable photographer, which we discussed previously here, Being able to then invite people to enroll in an online course called The Profitable Photographer is a pretty easy, simple call to action. Certainly scalable, certainly sustainable for sure. But at the end of the day, it's going to take a pretty large audience to move enough of those units to, as you said, pay the rent in the suburbs of San Francisco.
1: So what I'm hearing is you've got an opportunity to drive tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially in podcast advertising and sponsorships. Help me figure out what the opportunity is for a medium-scaled podcast to create an event. Seems like there'd be a lot of overhead in event creation, so you're spending to make money, and then there's your digital courses, less overhead. How much can you actually pull down from implementing some of these other strategies?
2: They can be really lucrative in terms of doing the live events. It's where we sell all of our high ticket programs, our icon maker program and so on. But, you know, the reality is, do you have to do an event? No, you don't have to do an event. But can you make money from the event before you even open the doors? Absolutely. I mean, like we go back to the example of my friend, Michael, who has a podcast that is specific to audiophiles. Again, people who love high end stereo equipment think about how easy it would be for him to go to those people those industry professionals who have those products that cater to the audiophiles right and say to them look we've got this thing coming up we're going to drive our community to this event be a sponsor pay for it etc easy to do and a lot of people frankly make the majority of their money through those sort of opportunities but is that the end all be all no if you don't want to do an event you don't have to do an event you could certainly do a virtual type of event, which we've done successfully for years as well, even long before the pandemic hit. But at the end of the day, I believe that every business needs to have a very clearly defined profit path. And your profit path could be entirely different from ours or entirely different from Ben's and so on. But you just have to have clarity on what that customer journey looks like from the moment they become familiar with you to whatever that last step is on the path that someone can take with you. And a lot of people just don't have that same clarity.
1: So Steve, I have to ask, you've got podcast magazine and and you mentioned that there is a print and a digital version of it. And I do think there's a little oxymoronic part of, <laughs> we work in digital new media and we're going to create a print magazine. You got to just tell me why podcast magazine and what's the purpose and the profitability path for you?
2: You know, it's interesting, man. It goes right back to the conversations that we've been having about how do you really become an icon of influence in your niche? And how do you become part of conversations where you're not even in the room to contribute to those conversations? So for us as being podcasters and having podcasts dating back to 2009, we've done pretty well with the shows, but the reality is we weren't going to take down Rogan. We don't have those sort of numbers, wasn't going to happen. And it became really clear about two years ago or so that as the podcast industry becomes more and more crowded in terms of the number of people releasing shows, and you've seen the exponential growth just here in the last 12 months, we knew that we weren't going to be able to compete with a lot of the deeper pockets and the brand names that were coming into the space. So once we became clear that, hey, podcasting is the conversation that we most want to be a part of, and we love this industry, and we love, absolutely love being able to share others' missions and messages and so on and so forth, It just got to the point where like, you know what, a podcast is not going to be the vehicle that we're going to be able to leverage to take things where we really want to go because we couldn't get people like Adam Carolla or Dave Ramsey or Katie Couric or Jordan Belfort or whoever to answer our emails, answer our calls and come on to our shows. So we had to put our heads down and really start thinking about, look, if we want to stay in this industry, what is it that we can do here to position ourselves at the hub of the wheel, get ourselves to the point where everyone in our vertical knows who we are and what it is that we're doing and how do we open doors to people and build credibility and authority in a way that frankly, our show just wasn't providing so for us, it just really became crystal clear back in October of 2019 that this medium is going to continue to do really, really well for the foreseeable future. And if, in fact, podcasters are to the 2020s what rock and roll stars were to the 1960s, why isn't there a Sports Illustrated type magazine for podcasting or a Rolling Stone type magazine for podcasting or Wired or Vanity Fair or whatever it might be? And we made a calculated decision here to say, you know what, let's do something that completely zags while everyone else is zigging. And it's truly made all the difference. Now there is not a person in the industry that we can't touch by simply reaching out and saying, hey, we're coming at you from podcast magazine, we want to sit down for a feature, especially if it's a cover feature, and literally every door opens.
1: I love that you're a student of history, and I appreciate that the rock and roll metaphor was the one you used to compare artists from the 60s to today. I like to consider us the rock and roll stars of the 2020s as well. Steve, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us all about your experience and how podcasts can be monetized. Thanks for being our guest.
2: Appreciate you having me.
1: All right. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Steve Ulsher, founder and editor-in-chief at Podcast Magazine. If you'd like to get in touch with Steve, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Steve Olsher, S-T-E-V-E-O-L-S-H-E-R. Or you can visit his company's website, which is podcastmagazine.com slash free. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. -J B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.